Hey everybody, it's Father Chris Culpepper, the rector here at Christ the Redeemer Anglican Church in Fort Worth, Texas. And as we continue our year-long series, we're calling Back to the Basics. In particular, as you know, right now we are studying the Bible, and we're using an accompanying book by Max Anders called 30 Days to Understanding the Bible. So last week was our first video on the creation era. Um, this week our, our uh, study is on the patriarch, patri that's easy for me to say, era of the patriarchs. And uh, as I did last week, we'll, I'll do a summary, and then we'll do the study, and then I'll do a little bit of review. So let's take this fir first part. This first section is a review of last week. And um, I want to start by saying once again that if you have questions that you would like me to try and answer, please feel free to email those to me, and I will take them up either in an email back to you or maybe also on this video, depending on how we would want that discussion to go. So last week, as you recall, we introduced a couple of concepts. First, we talked about the four major events in the creation area. Those events are creation itself, of course, how we are all made in the likeness and image of God. The second major event that we see in the creation area is what we call the fall, how we sinned against God and we broke fellowship with him as a result of our sin. The third major event, of course, is the flood. That's God's first major judgment against the whole of humanity for our sinfulness. And then the fourth major event we talked about was the Tower of Babel, which the scripture marks as the beginning of the nations. The second thing that we observed is how through these events we can see a pattern that is established and repeated throughout the scripture, especially in the Old Testament. That pattern we said comes like this. It is creation and then fall, and then judgment, and then mercy, and then new creation. That's a pattern we'll see all throughout the Old Testament. It's a pattern that culminates in the New Testament. We'll see that pattern again as we enter into our discussion about the patriarchs. The other thing that's worth mentioning is um, a third dynamic that we looked at last week is, is all of these things in the first section in the creation era mark what we talk about as the foundation of the, our relationship with God. That is to say, who God is and how God acts in the world and the kind of relationship that God has with us and wants to have with us. So before we go into our study, a brief introduction of this week, when we come to this week, we start to take another step forward. We move into what we call the patriarchal era where we meet the first major characters of the Old Testament beyond Adam and Eve. So we're gonna meet Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. Each one of them played an important part in shaping God's covenant community. Each one made his own contribution to the development of the story. So let's pause the video here and let you do the chapter, and then I'll come back with a little bit of a summary and some supplemental teaching. Hey everyone, I hope you enjoyed uh, working your way through a little study on the patriarchal era. And I hope you enjoyed meeting these, what we might call, four major men of Genesis. Um, there are also major women in the story, like Abraham's concubine Hagar, or Hagar, who fathered Ishmael. So let's say a little bit about that. It's important for us to observe, for those of you who know a little bit about Abraham and Isaac and Ishmael, it's important to observe that the Bible doesn't attach itself to Ishmael and Islam. Now, that's a setup for a few things I want to say about that. In other words, the Bible is not written to anticipate another Abrahamic religion like some like to talk about it today. Scripture is written to say that this is the religion of Abraham and this is the one true God. 
So, speaking in modernity now, while Ishmael is figuratively considered the ancestor of the Arabians, however, it is the invention of Islam that looks back into history and attaches itself to Abraham through Ishmael. Let me say that another way. It is not the Bible that anticipates Islam as one of the three major Abrahamic religions. That's not the purpose of the Bible. The purpose of the Bible is to outline through Judeo-Christian narrative as divine revelation as we've received it today. It's the modern invention of the religion Islam that looks back into the Bible and tries to establish legitimacy from Abraham through Ishmael, not Isaac. Most importantly, I think I would say this. In John chapter 8, verse 58, Jesus says, Before Abraham was, I am. So however it is that you want to talk about Abraham in one sense, it's ultimately Jesus who matters, who, who declared of himself that he is the great I am, who indeed was before Abraham. So that's a little bit about Hagar who fathered Ishmael. We know that Sarah is the one who fathered Isaac. Isaac is the successor to the Abrahamic covenant. And then we have Isaac's wife, Rebekah, who helped, if you will, steal God's blessing from Esau and give it to Jacob. However, uh, there's an important emphasis on the establishment and the development of the covenant that I want to talk about. As the proto-covenant begins with Adam, it continues through Abraham, and it culminates in Christ. So there are a couple of really important things I want to say about that. In creation, God gives the moral law to Adam. He gives the moral law to Adam, and when Adam and Eve sin by commission and omission, it's Adam that God calls to account for the fall. Remember, he goes looking for Adam after the fall. That's important, again, because some people think of the Bible as patriarchal, and in a sense it is, and we don't want to shy away from that patriarchy, particularly for this kind of reason. As we see the covenant established through Abraham and his offspring, we see the covenant, as we know, culminate in Jesus Christ. So what I want to say about that is that patriarchal lineage shows up again in the Gospels where Matthew and Luke both trace Jesus' lineage back through his earthly father, Joseph. And here's how that works itself out. Matthew takes the lineage through Joseph back to Abraham to show us Jesus' kingship or his divine right to the throne. Luke takes Jesus' lineage through Joseph back to Adam, not Abraham, but Luke takes it back to Adam to show us Jesus' manhood. So that's an important reason for the establishment of the covenant and sort of the patriarchal tone that we see going from Adam, the proto-covenant, through Abraham, the first major covenant, all the way to the covenant in Jesus Christ that is the culmination of all of the covenants of the Old Testament. Now, we could jump off a very high diving board right now into some deep waters, but that would take us a little bit off of the narrative of the book, so I need to leave those things there. But let's do a little supplemental teaching on some of these major men, as I called them, um, and, and talk about who they are just a little bit. First, we have Abraham. The name Abraham means exalted father, and we talk about Abraham as being the father of the faith. Concerning covenant theology, as we said, Adam is the proto-covenant. Abraham is the first major covenant in the Bible. And the way I like to think about that is five Ps, people, property, progeny, presence, and promise, right? God says, you will be my people and I will be your God. 
This will be the land that I give to you. I will make your descendants to outnumber the stars. I will be with you. And, and, and all of those things is the promise of the future covenants impregnated into that covenant. So that's a little bit about Adam. Concerning Isaac, Isaac's name means laughter. Isaac, again, not Ishmael, is the inheritor of the covenant promise. And in Genesis 22, we find this very challenging narrative where God tells Abraham to sacrifice his son, Isaac. Yet if you've read the story, you know that at the moment of that sacrifice, God provides a substitute, which is an animal, which is a ram. And that passage, that pericope, introduces to us a couple of important things. Number one, it introduces the idea of covenant sacrifice, and it introduces the idea of substitution. In other words, in the Old Testament, uh, an animal is sacrificed, an animal is sacrificed in place of a human or instead of a human. And in the New Testament, Jesus is sacrificed or offered uh, in place of us. Jesus is the perfect offering for the propitiation of our sins. So there's a little bit about Isaac. As we move on to Jacob, Jacob's name means heel. If you know the story, Jacob came out grabbing the heel of his older brother Esau. Jacob is the father of the 12 tribes of Israel. As we know, we talked about earlier, Jacob stole the birthright from his older brother Esau. But we also know that Jacob uh, keeps his distance from God as a younger man until in Genesis 28 he wrestles with God or the angel of God, depending on how you interpret that passage. And in that wrestling match, God changes Jacob's name to Israel. Israel, as I preached about in a sermon a couple of weeks ago, Israel means to wrestle with God. And we heard Paul say in Romans chapter 11, all Israel will be saved. And Paul is drawing on that Jacob-Israel episode in the wrestling with God to say that Israel is everyone who wrestles with God and does not let go until he receives or she receives the blessing of salvation. So there's a little bit about Jacob become Israel. Now Joseph, Joseph who is one of Jacob or Israel's sons, Joseph's name means increase. Joseph is a favored son of his father Jacob, therefore he's the one who receives that coat of many colors that we've all heard about. It's Joseph who has a dream that his brothers, his older brothers, will bow down to him, which doesn't make them very happy. Therefore they sell him into slavery in Egypt, and it gets worse before it gets better. Joseph becomes Potiphar's personal servant. He ascends to a very high status Yet Joseph is seduced by Potiphar's wife, and when he won't give in, she falses, falsely accuses him of raping her. So Joseph finds himself in jail with the cupbearer and the baker. I'm not going to give away the rest of the story because I actually want you to read it, and I want you to read it for a couple of reasons. Number one, that story that unfolds is a very powerful narrative of reconciliation and restoration. That story is also a setup for the Exodus narrative. And the final thing I would say about that is it is in the character of Joseph where we first see a very powerful prefiguring of the person of Jesus Christ. If you've never read the story of Joseph through the eyes of Jesus Christ, go back and read it again. It's Genesis chapters 37 through 50. It is a very powerful prefiguring of Jesus the Christ. Now, a couple of final thoughts, continuing with the meta narrative idea. As I said before, in and through each of these characters, you see echoes and shadows and elements of that meta narrative creation, fall, judgment, mercy, and new creation. And so, with that, I leave you to explore Genesis chapters 12 through 50 on your own. 
This is the section of the scriptures that we call the patriarchal era. Thank you for listening, and God bless you this week.